You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Ladies and gentlemen, as we promised earlier in the broadcast, uh, we have saved a most special treat for you to close this evening's show. Uh, Virginia Abernathy, Dr. Abernathy, is back with us this evening to talk about her brand new autobiography. And it is so brand new, it was just released yesterday, the title of it. And I'm holding a copy of the book in my hand as I speak, Born Abroad, A Patriot's Tale of Choice and Chance. Dr. Abernathy is back with us right now. We'll say a quick hello to her. Dr. Abernathy, good evening. How are you? Oh, well, I'm very well, James. Thank you so much. Can't wait to share a little bit about this book with the audience and helping us do that. That's another thing that makes this hour so special is our good friend Sam Dixon, who will actually be uh, for uh, the most part hosting this hour with you. Sam, hello to you as well. No, I'm glad to be here. I count myself as president for life of the Virginia Abernathy Fan Club. So I'm glad to <laughs> Thank you. Well, it was it was because of that mutual esteem and regard with which we hold her, and I knew that you shared that, uh, that I thought that this would make for a fantastic opportunity to put you two together and really dive into this book, which um, I'm reading now from the back cover, is an anthropologist's autobiography with generous helpings of wit and political commentary. Uh, Virginia starts the reader on an eye-opening journey to a former time in the United States and Latin America and takes him along the decades of Dr. Abernathy's long life, her brilliant academic career, her divorce, widowhood, and remarriage, her original hypothesis on fertility rates, and her activism. Sam, take us away. Well, Dr. Abernathy of Virginia, you know, my nickname for you is, is Boadicea. When I usually email you, I call you, uh, I usually call you Boadicea, who was the queen who led the uh, last-ditch fight against the Romans and trying to conquer what is now uh, Great Britain. But anyway, you have been a, a one of the most prominent people uh, to defend us and to try to bring uh, controlled immigration. Uh, unlike so many on our side, you, you came to the table with many, many uh, cards. You're somebody who had a lot to lose, and you, you've taken a lot of lumps. And I'm always interested in that. Um, I was interested in some of the things you said about your childhood. Um, I, I, you're, you're quite different from what I thought in some ways, and in other ways you're very similar to me in my own childhood. But you um, you don't believe in self-esteem. I mean, I'm sorry, you believe in self-esteem, you don't believe in self-abnegation. Uh, that's contrary to uh, the Christian view of life and children and the predominant view in America. Can you tell us more about that? Well, let me say that I have a great respect for religion, but that I don't have much um, interest in people not valuing themselves. I think you have to value yourself and value yourself very highly 
before you're in a position to do anything worthwhile or help other people. And I well, hope I that explains. I think it does. I, I happen to feel have the same view that uh, that you need to stand up for yourself and people who are speaking out for our race and our people and our cause uh, need to do so with a sense of authority and, and self-assertion. And if you don't value yourself, I think the subconscious of other people reads your subconscious lack low value to yourself and they give you a low value. So uh, I'm actually in agreement with that. I also was surprised, or other things that surprised is that, that in many respects, you are what people would consider to be a, a liberal. You're, you're something of a feminist, uh, and you uh, you believe in abortion. You're a supporter of, of abortion, uh, and so on. And um, I'd like you to talk more about that. I do think there's a difference between being um, fairly liberal on some social issues and being very conservative on financial issues and being very conservative in terms of reading the Constitution um, to mean what what it meant at the time it was written. So I'm conservative on two issues and fairly liberal on the social issue side. You may have read a, a column by, by Paul Godfrey, the Jewish publisher of, or editor of Chronicles, some years back. I think it's the best thing he's ever written, and he's a good writer. It was called Belief Clusters. And he makes the point that these issues like abortion, gay marriage, immigration, environment, and so on, that there is no connecting thread, and that the division of American opposing camps along these sort of rigid litmus test is an unnatural division uh, and, and that these issues need to be judged in of themselves. Yes, so I your, think Dr. Your... Gottfried is right. I like that. Yeah. And yeah, especially I think abortion has been so unfortunate because people who ought to be uh, thinking about the constitutional issues and the financial issues that beset our country ought to be together strongly on the same page. And sometimes they've been divided over abortion. I think it's been very destructive to us as a as supporters of a strong country. Well, on the subject of abortion, that, that is a very difficult uh, issue, and one that I think the listening audience is going to be quite divided on, and maybe even They angry. certainly will. They will, and they might be angry with me. But years ago, I went to a family reunion. A distant cousin of mine was there who was on the county commission of a Tidewater County in South Carolina. And I was surprised that he had a Bush bumper sticker on his car. It's either Bush or Dole instead of a Pat Buchanan bumper sticker. And I asked him about that, and he said that, well, I understand why you're for Buchanan, but he said, I, I feel that he's an Irish Catholic and that any political capital that he has, if he were to become president, would first be invested in, in doing that with abortion. And he said, but without abortion, he said, my county would now be overwhelmingly black. Well, <clears throat> that is the case. Yes, from the very beginning, it was perfectly clear that um, 
that an enormous number of, of blacks and people um, of any color actually who could not afford to take care of their children, and that did include a lot of minorities, uh, were availing themselves of abortion far more than any others in the country. And furthermore, the reason a great many people began to support liberal abortion was they became aware of how much infanticide there was. And, uh, and you may be shocked that I mentioned infanticide in the United States, but believe me, a lot of the sudden death syndrome um, and other accidents that happened to babies were infanticide. I think that abortion um, was a better alternative. Hold on I've, right there. Dear friends, hold on right there. This is just the first of four segments. Sam Dixon interviewing Virginia Abernathy about the contents of her autobiography, Born Abroad, A Patriot's Tale of Choice and Chance, available now. Hey there, TPC family. This is James Edwards, your host of The Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-88-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. Matthew 24, 24 teaches us that the church is deceived today. Deceived Christians call themselves Judeo-Christians. Around 1900, Jews commissioned the Schofield Reference Bible, which transformed the Jews from Christian killers to the chosen people. Here's the truth. America is in the Bible. Revelation 21, our form of government came down from heaven. Verse 3, the many Christian ministers at the Constitutional Convention sought God's will. The God-given rights in the Constitution were ordained by God. America is the new promised land for Christian Israel, and Christians are the true chosen people. True Israel is Christian. Listen to Jesus, quote, my sheep follow me, unquote, and, quote, you do not believe because you are not my sheep, unquote. John 10, 25 through 27, the beast has transformed America into the woman mystery Babylon, Revelation chapter 17. For the complete Bible study, write to Christian Knuckles, P.O. Box 210813, Royal Palm Beach, Florida, 33421. Ladies and gentlemen, I just have to say the, the conversation about esteem uh, took place uh, a second ago. I am very proud, I have to say, to have the ability to bring uh, these two together tonight, uh, Sam Dixon and Virginia Abernathy. They are two of the greatest representatives of our race alive today. And um, at some point, I'll be able to tell my kids, I lived during the age of Sam Dixon and Virginia Abernathy. But pairing them up tonight, it was a unique thing to be able to do. And uh, a little bit more information about Dr. Abernathy's background. As you may or may not know, she was born in Cuba in the 1930s to American parents. 
She is bilingual in English and Spanish, is a Harvard-trained scientist and activist. She has been a leading voice in issues spanning fertility in the United States and the effects of unbridled immigration, including its economic damage to working Americans. Because of her long years of experience, her academic achievement at elite American universities and her role as an outspoken woman, she is a threat to the establishment's devotion to cultural Marxism and multiculturalism. And for that reason, Dr. Abernathy's voice is needed now more than ever. She has been a longtime friend. I met her even before I met Sam Dixon, which is a hard thing to do. Uh, it seems like I've known Sam my whole life, but Virginia and I met in 99, 2000, and we've been in touch ever since. She's been a regular guest on this program. You can get her autobiography, Born Abroad, A Patriot's Tale of Choice and Chance, at arctos.com. This is an Arctos publication, also available at Amazon.com, and it just came out about 24 hours ago, if you're listening live. Born Abroad, A Patriot's Tale of Choice and Chance. One quick question before I turn the interview back over to Sam, Virginia, and that is you were talking about on these issues you're conservative, on this you may be liberal, uh, but you have never, you have always had an unapologetic voice for the truth with regards to immigration and race and population and all of that. Uh, how did that happen? Well, it's just clear that immigration is a disaster, mass immigration. I'm not going to, I want to be clear that I mean mass immigration by the thousands, by the millions, is very harmful to this country for two reasons. One is it undercuts the middle class and the working class because it adds to the labor force. And the more you get of something, the more the price declines. So the more people you get looking for jobs, the more that wages decline. And we don't want wages to decline. We want people here who are well paid for the good work they do. So that's one reason that I see immigration so harmful. Also, the environmental one, because we really don't have unlimited space or unlimited fresh, clean water as many people know who live in the West, water is, a, is prized and is none too plentiful. We really do not have unlimited natural resources. And uh, the more people you have to take care of, the less the share for each person. Sam, back to you. I, I was in something you said, uh, Virginia. You said that from the very beginning, uh, you did not believe in the environmentalist theory uh, of human intelligence. Do you remember that part of your book? Yes. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, you I guess I... <laughs> you, you immediately rejected the environmentalist theory of human intelligence. And I had the same experience. In ninth grade, we were told that the science had proven that there was that the races were equal. I thought the teacher was joking. I, I, that was something that crazy could be said, and I, I burst out laughing, much to the fury of the teacher, who, who uh, was very angry when <laughs> someone had laughed. Opposition, <laughs> but but it's what what do you? I like to ask people what who are on our side. What what was that really set in motion their process of becoming what I call a thought criminal? And you obviously are somebody who has had too much to think, and you are <laughs> thought criminal. And uh, what, how would you, uh, but looking back on your past and your childhood and upbringing and education, what, what do you, 
you say you were never interested in being popular, and neither was I. Uh, so we have that in common. But was there anything that you feel really set you down the path of thought crime? Well, I I was an only child, and I was um, I, I know my mother always did her best for me, but I found it intrusive, and. <clears throat> Uh, but I don't think that's what makes the person thoughtful. I think probably they have to be born with some intelligence, and you and I both think that genetics is as important as anything else, probably the most important factor, more important than environment. And um, then there was the fact in Argentina uh, that I was uh, in a British school where we learned every subject in the morning in English, math and everything in English. And then by Argentine law, half of the day had to be taught in Spanish. And so I learned quite a few different methods of of setting up a, a, a long division um, <laughs> a problem, for example, and also different history. And I think we've discussed this before, but but Las Malvinas is the Spanish name for the Falkland Islands. And if you'll recall, the British and the Argentines had quite a, a naval battle and some land battle over the Falkland Islands during the uh, period of, of Maggie Thatcher being prime minister of Great Britain. So they fought about it, but they'd also argued about it. And I was aware of this argument when I was in, I guess, second grade, because in the afternoon I was taught about Las Malvinas, and I was somehow aware that um, the uh, other name for it that Americans and British used was Falkland Islands. And so recognizing that there are different ways of seeing the same thing, I guess, that tends to make you question and think. Well, I think that's very true. You and I were discussing earlier today child rearing, something which you, having reared four children, have infinitely more experience than, than I do. But my my father, uh, my parents would challenge us to think, uh, and they would point out uh, flaws in advertising uh, where we've been trying to been tricked into buying a hair tonic with the idea that if we put the hair tonic in our hair, the, the girls would all be kissing us in high school. And they would put out that this is not a recommendation of, of the, the superior ingredients of the hair tonic or the, the less expensive, the fact it's cheaper. It was just all nonsense that, 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 that was being used to deceive us. So I think, I think that, that starting out in life that way is important. But I also wanted to talk to you about uh, another subject, you and I agree on many things. You and I disagree on some things. And you and I have a profound disagreement about restoring the Constitution and going back to the Republic. You know as, from our many conversations that I, I don't see any possibility of restoring the Constitution, nor do I even think it, it's wise or, or desirable. I think we need to create something entirely new. But how how do you feel that we could go back to the Constitution and a Republic? How could we restore this, given the demographics of America? Well, I turn that argument on its head. 
given the demographics of America, what makes you think that we could ever agree on something better than the Constitution? I'm afraid we'd be overwhelmed in any, let's call it a constitutional convention, we'd be overwhelmed by people who see things differently and worse and would not value as we do the rule of law. At least the rule of law is in the, is, is, uh, the Constitution is an example, I guess, of laws that are as, um, as big an effort as has ever been made to limit the scope of government. And I think that's what's great about the Constitution. It's intended to, to limit government. The, the Bill of Rights, the, the first one, the first, well, there are quite a few of the articles in the Bill of Rights um, that um, are explicit directions of thou shalt not do this. The government shall not take these privileges and freedoms away from the people. So I think that the virtue of the Constitution is it, it, it describes what government can be in a very minimalist way. And then the Bill of Rights comes along, the first 10 amendments, and uh, is explicit about what the government must not do. So I, I think it would be hard to improve upon that, particularly given the very diverse demography that we have now of so many people who come with other um, cultural expectations Let's take a quick break right there, my friends. Virginia Abernathy, our guest, Sam Dixon, hosting this hour. We're talking about her book, Born Abroad. Stay tuned. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Skip Kelly. More than 100 people were arrested Friday night in Midtown Manhattan during a demonstration calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. They also demanded more aid for the Palestinians and Congress to stop military aid to Israel. Participants told ABC7 their reasons were clear. We have to do what we have to do for justice and for peace. We're out here. It's pouring rain. We're wet. But they have blood on their hands. Those arrested were put on buses after blocking traffic outside of Senator Kirsten Gillibrand's office. More than 80 Spirit Airlines flights were canceled Saturday after some planes were pulled out of service for inspections, looking for signs of cracks in brackets on the plane's airframes. The airline says disruptions are expected to last for several days. A new poll shows a former president with a lead in the race for 2024. Among Republican Donald Trump, Democrat Joe Biden, and newly turned independent candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr., a survey by Harvard Caps Harris poll shows Trump with 39% support, followed by Biden with 33% and Kennedy at 19%. Nearly 10% said they did not know who they'd vote for. When asked to pick from the three, 42% chose Trump. Pollsters asked 2,100 registered voters. I'm Jeremy Scott. The first shipment of emergency aid to Gaza since the Israel-Hamas war began rolled through a border crossing between Egypt and Gaza Saturday. Desperately needed food, water, and medicine was brought in by truck. Supplies sat near the crossing for days, hoping to enter after Israel blockaded the territory and launched waves of airstrikes. Palestinians have been rationing food and drinking filthy water from wells, while hospitals run low on medicine and fuel for emergency generators. 
And rather than taking part in the third Republican presidential primary debate in Miami, former President Donald Trump will be hosting a rally at a nearby city of Hialeah. The Republican presidential frontrunner will hold an evening event at Ted Hendricks Stadium. He's slated to be on stage at 7 p.m. on November 8th. This is USA News. Attention timeshare owners. Tired of the financial stress? Were you misled by the salesperson? Don't or can't use your timeshare anymore? If any of these apply to you, then you may qualify for timeshare cancellation and get the relief you need now. Timeshare Defense Attorneys is the number one affordable fixed fee legal solution in the country with an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. That's certainly better than my grades. They even offer a 100% client satisfaction guarantee. Let one of their experienced lawyers evaluate your case and explain the problem. If they take you as a client, they'll work on your case until it's resolved in your favor. Guaranteed. Expect great service and a close working relationship with your lawyer, keeping you informed every step of the way, protecting your rights, interests, and even your credit. It's that simple. Even a kid like me can understand it. The consultation is free. Call today. 800-875-1853. 800-875-1853. That's 800-875-1853. All right, everybody, welcome back. Very special hour here on TPC with Sam Dixon hosting this interview where we talk with Virginia Abernathy about her brand-new, hot-off-the-press autobiography, Born Abroad, A Patriot's Tale of Choice and Chance. It is worth buying the book just to see the cover. Now, my wife can nail these things. She can nail uh, a a child's age just by looking, no matter who they are. For me, if they're between, they could be between 3 and 10, and I would never know the difference. But I'm going to guess here, Virginia, on the cover of this, you're, what, 5 or 6 years old? I think I might have been older. I might have been seven or eight, but I'm not okay. sure. See, I, I, I knew I'd be off. But nevertheless, th- there are some illustrations in this book that follow your life from the 1930s all the way through uh, the 2020s. And uh, I was just looking at the calendar, and I've known you myself now for very nearly a quarter of a century, somewhere between 23 and 24 years as we set this evening. And again, <laughs> we are talking about this book uh published by Arctos, available there and at Amazon.com as well, Born Abroad by Virginia Abernathy. Sam, please continue. Well, on a lighter note than what we've been saying, I, the title, of course, it should be commented on. You know, Born Abroad, like the indefinite. Uh, <laughs> uh, to be pronounced as either, either two or three words. <laughs> uh, to be pronounced as two or three words. But the point is, I'm not very happy with people who um, are talking about transsexualism and things like that. I want to make the point that male is male and female is female. And uh, I was one when I was, I mean, I was female when when I was born, and I still am. And (laughs) (laughs) so I just do a little play on words. (laughs) <laughs> I, I salute. I, I, my father used to say that we should be polite to all women because without women we wouldn't be here, and we should see our mother, uh, <laughs> in women regardless of their age uh, or, or their appearance. But uh, speaking I, of age, having said that, I that it has never entered my brain that I would ever want to be a woman. Uh, and have somebody sticking me something in me and having to carry this growing tumor around for nine months 
and then have it split me in two. <laughs> I really think I really think we got better of this deal. <laughs> I don't know that you got the better of the deal when the dying starts. It's the men in the front lines. Um, so I'm not well, sure you got. A good point. Uh, and that. so, yeah. yeah, I think Those about that all the time. But I've just had a little bit of a shock about this title. Uh, the men of my age, your age, maybe even James's age, know the word broad to be a rather rude word for a woman. But someone told me that young people have no idea that broad ever meant anything about a female. They don't recognize that word for girl or woman. You have to be very careful speaking to young people because they're, they're, especially with slang, because slang is so time sensitive. But young people do not know the things that a lot of old people take for granted. Uh, not merely slang, but all kinds of other things. You have to be very careful talking to them. But, yes, uh, you're right. The, uh, yeah. I wanted to talk to your field of work, and more than any, any other area, has been in the area of fertility and uh, marriage, the decline in marriage and uh, the, the declining birth rate. Uh, and I thought that we would, might talk about that a little bit. And I might ask you what suggestions you might have on what could be done to increase the birth rate. Well, since I think that people in general are smart enough to know that they don't want more dependence if they feel um, broke or scared about their finances, you want, you want people to feel more secure about their financial and work future. And as I've said, the more labor, the more the labor force grows, um, the lower wages go because there's so much competition for such jobs as there are. And so the first thing you do is you make labor scarce, make uh, the working man or woman um, better paid for what they do, and then they're going to feel more secure in their financial future. And it's feeling secure in your financial future that makes you feel you can afford to have a child or two or three children. Uh, you have to feel that the future is going to be a little bit better before you really want to start a family or, for that matter, even get married. A man does not want to think he has a, has dependents if he's not sure he can provide for them, because I still do think that men um, have a sense of responsibility. At least a good man has a sense of responsibility for his wife okay. and family. I don't. I don't think black people and Hispanic a lot of Hispanic people. I I don't think they have any concern about. Uh, whether they have children or not, they're just going to, to engage in the act. And if the child comes, that's somebody else's responsibility and not theirs. Well, I think that if you compare the fertility rates, that's the number of births per um, childbearing age woman. That's fertility. 
if you can if you um, compare the fertility rate of Hispanics in the United States with Hispanics in let's say Mexico, you'll find that it's quite a lot higher here in the United States by about one child per woman higher. And um, in Mexico, <clears throat> they're very aware of limited opportunity and they're very careful about family size. But when they come here, the land of milk and honey, with so many government programs creating a social safety net and a lot of health care for their children and even themselves and education for their children, the opportunity seems so much better that they do allow themselves to have the extra one or two children per family. Um, and um, so I don't think it's necessarily that Hispanics in general are um, careless. Uh, about this thing, I just Iranian, think that Iranians and continue. Nigerians have birth rates, but they don't. They don't. They have very bad living standards, but their birth rates are yes. colossal. Yes. Well, you one thing about um, uh, about prosperity and opportunity is you compare. You always have a reference group, and you are comparing your condition and your expectations to what they used to be what or to the condition of people you know and so there's always a reference time or a reference group and so what we would consider poverty here um, might not seem the same problem because they're they have a different reference group than we have and there's another thing about african culture and I'm not saying in all African countries, but in many. And that is that women plan to have children by different men because that's their way of getting, um, being taken care of at the present time and in the future. Because each man with whom a woman has had a baby is going to contribute a little bit of money to her upkeep and the children's upkeep. So that's just one um, one uh, aspect of, of why an African woman might have more children uh, than people in other cultures. It's just, you do it as a way of looking out for your financial future. And then there's another thing in countries, and this has been very well demonstrated by a man who did research with uh, an Indian group in South America, that when the culture is used to polygyny, by which I mean uh, one man with more than one wife, polygyny, um, the birth rate, the fertility rate, I mean, is lower than when that practice is disturbed and that's because when the when a man has several wives uh, it's much easier for a woman to take a long rest after each baby um, before she's expected to, to have marital relations again and be exposed to pregnancy so maybe that's a long explanation and one you didn't really expect to hear but but polygyny well, it is a good way to, 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 to cut the 
<laughs> cross t- if, if this was a transcribed, a closed captioning, it would say cross talk right here. <laughs> we'll take a quick break. <laughs> One more. Sam Dixon and Virginia Abernathy. We are promoting her book. We want you to get it. Born Abroad, A Patriot's Tale of Choice and Chance. Available tonight at Amazon.com and Arctos.com. Hello, TPC family. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while at the same time exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com That's M-E-R-I-C-A 1-S-T dot com MericaFirst.com Have you ever had great honey? No, I mean really good, all-natural, raw honey? Well, now you can, thanks to LocalHoneyMan.com. We can ship out our locally made honey all across the U.S. So don't worry, you won't miss out. Plus, Local Honey Man has so many different flavors, like Utah Wildflower, High Desert Delight, Happy Valley, and Blackberry, just to name a few. So purchase your delicious raw honey today at LocalHoneyMan.com. Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. One more segment with uh, Dr. Virginia Abernathy, a little bit more about her background, as you probably know, after all of these years during which she's been appearing on the broadcast, but uh, she is a professor emeritus of psychiatry at Vanderbilt University School of Medicine. She holds a Ph.D. from Harvard University, an MBA from Vanderbilt University, and a B.A. from Wellesley College. Dr. Abernathy taught at Harvard University before joining the Vanderbilt University Medical School faculty in 1975. She has authored other books, including Population Politics and The Vanishing American Dream. But, of course, we're here tonight to talk about her autobiography released just yesterday, Born Abroad, A Patriot's Tale of Choice and Chance, Amazon.com. You can get it there. I'm holding a copy in my hand, and I did pay for it. I did not want to accept it for free, and I don't want to ask you to do something that I haven't done for myself, as I so often remind you, uh, by the book. Uh, It is impossible, of course, to... Do a book like this justice uh, with the constraints of commercial talk radio. But I would just read from uh, the first page or the first page after the preface uh, and ask a final question of Virginia before I let uh, Sam take us to the house. And it's just been a wonderful exchange between these two all all night long. But uh, in the chapter Agitator Born or Made, you write that you can't answer that question. 
whether an agitator is born or made. So I'll tell some of my story, you write. I also don't know if I'm a real agitator. I feel mild to myself, although Lou Dobbs hosting a CNN network news hour and kowtowing to a Southern Poverty Law Center lawyer once referenced me, quote, we've never had that woman on our show, end quote. And that's how the book begins. And uh, over the course of a very lean 225-page read, uh, you will learn more about her life, her battles, and her views on the issues. We've only been scratching the surface of it tonight. But my question for you, Virginia, would be, you have shown more bravery in your life than most men I know. And that's <laughs> an understatement. Uh, where did you get that compass to hold you steadfast in these times. You've been attacked uh, every bit as much as we have, people like Kevin McDonald and others. Uh, you've been right there the whole the whole way. Well, I just don't feel it's been brave. That's where I would kind of um, demur. I just, uh, one thing led to another. And I think that men who feel responsible for their families have to be careful what they say because the powers against speaking out, saying what you really think, the powers are very, very strong. And a man can very well lose his job, his livelihood, his opportunity to fulfill what he thinks is his responsibility to support that wife and children. So I think men have an extra level of caution for the reason that they feel financially responsible, not just for themselves, but for other people. And I respect that. Um, I, I agree. So, go on. I, I, I would certainly agree with that. I mean, there is a difference between tact and discernment uh, and, and bravery and recklessness. I mean, th th there's an argument that can be made there. But I guess what I'm asking you, though, is when you came under attack, you never apologized. No, I, no. Look. As I also make plain in my book, my mother never pampered me. In fact, um, she was very critical. And Sam and I have been talking about that, too. And we, at least I think we agree that parents should not uh, encourage children to think too well of themselves. I was told, told some fairly insulting things by my mother, which I'm sure... Today's um, parents would not tell their children because there's so much emphasis on building up a kid's self-esteem. And I think that's a mistake. I think it makes the children soft. I think they ought to be battered around a little bit. And I don't mean physically, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I mean, heck, you can't tell a kid he's wonderful all the time and expect him not to be intimidated and shocked. If the world tells him something different. <laughs> so, Sam, you chime in on this. Well, my, my parents were, were, and the whole extended family were very demanding of children. And, uh, and children didn't rule the roost. I like to tell people that, that I've never had an any at bat. When I was a child, the adults ran the world. And then when I grew up, children ran the world. <laughs> I've, never, I've never been able to run the world. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I have to go back to, to the, uh, the the business about the birth rate, and 
assuming that you don't get your way and we don't go back to the Constitution and limited government and that I get my way and that we go forward to a sort of Bolshevik program and the, our own comrade Stalin uh, stops immigration and begins a thorough program of deportations, um, how might me how might we burst, boost the birth rate? It seems to me that the birth rate has dropped ever since children ceased to be an economic uh, asset and became economic liabilities. Uh, I mean, yes. just, what Orban has done in, in Hungary, Orban has a program to encourage birth rates, and, and it's, it's different from most in that it would have the biggest impact on in causing on the on the people who we need to re, have reproduced, the surgeons, the the engineers, uh, the intelligent people, and what what they've adopted in Hungary is that if you have four children, you're exempt from the income tax. And well, that's a good idea. A very good that. So uh, let to, me uh, just uh, sit. You, you, you mentioned deportation, Sam, and I'm all in favor. I'm really all in favor. And what bothers me is that the people who would, and I know plenty of them, who would stand at the border and defend this country um, would be considered criminals if they really stood on the border and defended this country against the illegal alien invasion. We are not allowed to do it. We can't just shoot people coming across the border. And... Um, of course, I would go first for the women because they're the ones who have the children, and therefore they're the biggest threat to the country in the long run. Uh, am I radical? Yes, you bet that's radical. But I'm all in favor of deportation, which is, I think, something that I hope our next president will take seriously. Uh, we have right now five to seven or eight million illegal aliens that have come just during the Biden administration. So I'm all for deportation. Now, as for... Remember, remember the, that, that, that we, have a, we have quite a tradition from our enemies on this. Uh, Eleanor Roosevelt and the Roosevelt and the Trumans and the, all the bleeding heart liberals, they had no problem after World War II with the deportation of 15 million Germans from areas in eastern Germany that they had lived in for, their families had lived in for a, a thousand years. Just being told to pack a handbag and walk and if you starve to death, we don't give a damn. That was the Eleanor Roosevelt attitude, and that was the attitude of America's liberal establishment, and that's going to be their attitude toward us. So there's quite a tradition in America of radical deportations, and we can just follow the example of Blessed St. Eleanor. Well, I think, I think you know that, that it's a wonderful strategy to po- point to one of the liberal idols as she was and say, well, she she favored it, so let's go ahead and do it. That would be lovely. Unfortunately, we don't another, control the mass media. I have another tax proposal in our in our new government of our new uh, nation, and that is, I think, childless people like me uh, should be be put under a surtax to help people like you and James who have large families. I, I'm benefited by your, your sacrifice in rearing these kids who will be my policemen and my surgeons and my engineers and uh, soldiers and all this stuff. Well, I've gotten a free ride. I, I think that there should be a surtax 
on showers oh, maybe twenty five time. Well, you're already paying for the schooling of uh, all of those people who have children, and you're not take, taking any advantage. <laughs> so anyway, um, have, you know, if you can get that one through Congress, go for it. We have a school system in Virginia that would be a disgrace to Haiti. Just the same. What, however bad it is, you're paying for it, whether you have children uh, or not. This would prepare pay for specific programs to to help help parents and children, you know, over and above things like the, the schools or the roads or, or that kind of thing. But anyway, that those are two proposals that I would have, as well as one to elevate the status of women who are who are mothers. And uh, oh. you know, I think they should wear badges and they should get on the subway or the bus first, and they should have the first choice of seats and. Uh, Things like this. I, I think that people who have children should be honest. I would butt in, uh, lady and gentlemen, just uh, very briefly to say we have about two minutes remaining. Born Abroad is the book, available now for sale. We've been talking about the life and times of Virginia Abernathy and some of the issues that have defined her activism. Sam, final word, final question to you. Well, I have two things. that I wanted to read a little dictum that I got from Virginia's book. Allowing others to disadvantage one's own reproductive chances and ability to produce offspring is a path to extinction. I, I, I like that sentence, Virginia. Well, thank allowing you, others, Allowing others to disadvantage one's own reproductive chances and ability to produce offspring is a path to extinction. That's right. Um, so, it ties it in with my view that you shouldn't um, uh, you shouldn't devalue yourself. Um, you have to preserve your own right to um, reproduce, to be wealthy, to think for yourself. And and any time you give a little away. Uh, you are reducing your own opportunity to leave your genes. And I just proved it's a path to extinction, as I did write. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know more, you're going to have to buy the book. We've given you just a taste of it tonight with dear friends Sam Dixon and Virginia Abernathy. i got to get Sam off the radio here pretty quick before he takes my job for good. Uh, Virginia, always great to talk to you, and congratulations on a life well lived and this book, which uh, you have given us uh, as a gift. And well, uh, we will talk you, to you both Jay. again very soon, I'm sure. It was a pleasure You're very to welcome. talk to you both. Bye. As always. Thank Sam, you thank you. Thank you. Good night. And we will talk to everyone again next week as we celebrate 19 full years on the radio for our guests this hour, Keith Alexander and Mark Weber, who kicked things off. I'm James Edwards. Good night, everybody. <laughs>